Welcome to the I-29 Moo U Dairy Podcast. I-29 Moo University is a consortium of land-grant universities in Minnesota, Iowa, South Dakota, and Nebraska. This podcast covers timely news, information, and research for today's dairy industry. Good morning and welcome to the I-29 Moo University Dairy Podcast. We appreciate your coming and listening to us. Today, we've got uh, myself, Fred Hall, the Northwest Iowa Dairy Specialist. Uh, We've got Jim Sulfur. Jim is the Minnesota uh, Extension Dairy Specialist. And Heidi Carroll is a specialist from South Dakota. And we're going to be visiting today about heat stress on the dairy uh, for both cows, calves, and people. And I'll kind of kick things off today by talking, you know, we've had some 95, 96 degree days with high humidity that were just terrible, but we've just come out of a weekend where we had 80 degrees of low humidity. And I was thinking, this truly reflects what we find along our I-29 corridor. Uh, at any given point, we could be one of the hottest places in the country. We can be one of the coldest places. Now, Jim, what do you see producers doing to abate the, the heat for their cows? Well, you know, I think, Fred, you're making a really good comment. Um, Lance Bargardner at or Lance Baumgart at Iowa State University, he thinks that heat stress up here from a nutrition standpoint is actually more of an issue than when he was in Arizona because in Arizona it gets hot and stays hot. And as you mentioned, Fred, what happens to these dairy cows from a nutrition standpoint, when it gets hot, they quit eating, right? right. Then the nights cool off and they can slug feed. So I think we, we just need to be aware that that can happen and so we need to kind of tame those diets down just a little bit and keep that fiber in there uh, when those cows are eating. So uh, just from a nutrition standpoint, visit with your nutritionist, but just be aware that that can potentially happen, which actually can increase our risk, particularly if we have a diet that tends to be a little bit of a challenge anyway, maybe a little more starch and we like to see in it. Um, some of the other issues, obviously, when you... Um, in the summer, cows are no different than you or I, right? All three of us on the call and all the listeners, when there's a lot of heat stress, we tend to be a little, we don't be as, we aren't as hungry. We tend to be a little pickier. If we're at a picnic, we might just like the things we, we might just eat the things we like. So I think, again, that's important to remember that those diets are really well mixed because cows are going to eat slower and they're going to be at that bunk and they're going to be pickier and they're going to sort things more. So again, it's just really important to manage that bunk well as we go into this really warm weather. I was going to kind of go in there a little deeper. You know, all the things that we do to keep the cows cooking at our dairy is more important when it's 95 degrees you know, bunk bunk maintenance. How many times do we feed? Do we let the feed heat up before we push it out? 
Are we maintaining the surface of our pile? You know, all those things when it's hot and humid become even more vital that we do it correctly. Yeah, I think it's important. Just feel that feed after 24 hours. I mean, most a lot of people now are adding Buchneri, an inoculant that helps keep that feed in condition. It produces some acetic acid. But if that feed's going out of condition uh, in 24 hours, you're either going to have to feed twice or you're, you know, twice a day, or obviously you can add additives such as propionic acid to keep it in condition. But you're right, Fred, you, you don't want that feed to go out of condition um, between your feedings. Well, we've talked about the feed bunk and the feed. What about getting those sprinklers on it? You know, a lot of times, you know, I, I hear dairymen tell me, yeah, we, we try to get the sprinklers on by 10 o'clock. And, you know, when it's past 70, those cows are big animals. They get a lot of heat. You probably need to get those sprinklers on when the temperature tells us, not when the clock tells us. Fred, that, that's a really great point. And, and I think that we have to be cognizant of that. And I'm gonna tie it back a little bit to some of the facility observations that are taken in the uh, National Farm Animal Care Program. We have to manage for heat and cold stress. And part of that is those sprinklers or it's part of the ventilation system. And it is not based on the clock. It is based on those temperatures and those heat temperature humidity indexes. And so when we are asked that question on an animal care evaluation, are all age classes provided protection from heat? That's partly sprinklers. It could be shades. It could have mixing fans in there. But when it comes to the sprinklers, part of that is get those sprinklers on right around 70 degrees and making sure that you're keeping them as cool as possible before it gets past 70 degrees. Some of the key areas we see producers using the sprinklers, some will put them on the bunk line, some will keep them in the holding pen at the parlor or on the return pen from the parlor. A lot of great uh, things happening there when it comes to heat abatement. Yeah, I think it's important too to realize that at night, um, even though the temperature starts going down, I think Heidi, you mentioned it and voted, so did Fred, humidity also makes a factor. So at night, of course, our temperature may drop a little bit, but of course, conversely, the humidity typically goes up. It also typically becomes more still. You know, as we get in the I-29 corridor, the wind blows, you know, 20 mile an hour wind is a, is a calm day. And so don't forget that those calm, that's when cows really cook is those hot, still, humid nights. So just remember that when you're running sprinklers and fans, you know, you got to keep those on so you can get the cows cooled down. And our only chance to cool them is really overnight. You know, we've all three mentioned fans. And sometimes I think those are the least maintained item on the dairy. They're built to do their job with a lot of efficiency. But when they're dirty and those blades have all that scound on them, uh, they're not hanging right and blowing where they need to be. Those are all things we can control as dairymen. And it really pays off to, you know, twice a year get out there and make sure the fans are clean 
the blades are pointing and then they are hung correctly and pointed in the right direction. You ever get into barns where it's obviously hasn't happened in a while, Jim? Yeah, and I mean, the other thing it does is waste electricity because they're not very efficient. I, I've seen some research and if the numbers, if my brain serves me correctly, probably I think there's up to 30% decrease in fan performance. So I would agree with you. I mean, I, I think we just, and it, barns are dirty places. It's not like your house. And so there's a lot of dust and stuff. So just, uh, you know, before the season, I would agree, you know, I would agree, Fred, if you can do it twice a year, maybe even more often, but you know, obviously time is a factor there, but the other thing is make sure they're angled at the right angle. You know, it doesn't, we don't need to be cooling the birds sitting in the rafters. So, and they, they get, you know, just from vibration and, or they get hit by skid steer loaders or whatever in the barn, just, just kind of go through and those aren't hard, but just make sure those fans are at the right angle that they're actually cooling the cows in the beds or in the feed lane. And you guys mentioned the twice a year. Uh, one good tip that I've kind of began to recommend is if you need to choose that time of year, for sure hit the, the fall right before going into winter. So they're the most efficient when you're at the lowest ventilation and then hit that second time of year right before summer when you're ramping up for maximum ventilation. So a couple of things that you can do there from a strategy and time management standpoint. Another thing that's important on the survey, Heidi, and you'll probably talk about this, is making sure that our water sources are operating correctly have adequate flow and where the cows can get at them because, you know, it requires water to cool cows down. You're right, Fred. And when we look at how the, the wording of that is in the Farm Animal Care Program, it's do all age classes of animals on the dairy have access to clean water for that climate? So knowing that they're going to drink in excess of, of 20 plus gallons for the mature animals and then making sure that those young calves also have access to water by day three. We need to make sure that we're meeting both of those criteria, um, that it's adequate, that it's clean, that it's fresh. And for those young calves, they are expected to have fresh water by day three. So we, let's transition and, and talk about calves. You know, 10 years ago, hutches were the, the thing and, you know, uh, people were, were focusing their calves into the hutch mindset. And we still have a lot of hutches being used out in the countryside. From my point of view, when I walk into a, a dairy with hutches, there's a couple of things I, I want to see this time of year. Have we opened up the ventilation doors if the particular brand of hutch hasn't? Have we set it up on a block or a tile or in some way to get some movement uh, through that touch. And then uh, does it have some shade, either shade cloth or a tree? Uh, what else do you look for, Heidi, when you're out looking with those calves? Those are definitely the facility observations that you're going to be taking. And then let calves tell you if it's working for them. Are they actually up and consuming any of that palatable starter feed? Are they drinking their whole bottles or their buckets or whatever you're providing them? Watch that intake. And then as you're going through on your daily observations, 
checking, are they actually lying down resting or are they standing just uncomfortably and hot? And so making sure that you're evaluating the facility observations with those animal observations. Yeah, and just remember that that starter, you know, they're going to drool in it more when it's hot and it's just going to go out of condition a lot faster. So make sure you keep fresh starter in there and get those buckets cleaned out. Otherwise, you know, I look in some of those buckets and I think, man, I'm not sure I'd want to, even if there was some fresh starter on the top of this, you know, and uh, Dave Ziegler is a good friend of mine. He managed uh, a research station down in Wasika where they did a lot of calf research. And he said they actually had more struggles keeping calves growing in the summer than the winter. So just to reiterate what you guys are saying, heat stress is a real thing on these calves. They just don't eat as well. So, so it really is important to try and manage some heat stress in these calves. And, you know, we don't often think of that because we see it in the bulk tank right away. Now, if our cows are heat stressed, we see our milk production drop, but we can't always see that average daily gain on our heifers and our calves, but it really is important. And from a place that weighs their calves regularly, they actually struggled as much in the summer are getting good gains out of these calves as they did in the winter. And the other thing to think, remember, is just that respiration rate. Non-heat stressed cows are going to be uh, breathing right around 26 to 50 breaths per minute. And so similarly, the calves usually have a little bit lower one there. And so watching for that respiration rate, watching if you're starting to get open mouth breathing and heavy breathing. So a couple of things to keep in mind. You know, Jim, in the wintertime, our gold standard is some kind of organic bedding. Oat straw, wheat straw, shavings. We want the calf to, to be able to nest in that and it'll help insulate and, and protect them from some wind and really cold temperatures. That's not necessarily the case in the summertime. What's your gold standard recommendation for bedding in the hutch? this time of year whatever will keep the flies under control i mean i i think that's something we kind of need to be thinking about but a lot of people will switch to sand in the summer you've got to be a little bit careful and get that out of there because calves will get cold stress you know sand is sand is nice and cool except when we start getting into the fall or we start getting to cold nights so i think you know i think I don't know if there is a gold standard. I think a lot of people stick with straw or shavings, but make sure it stays clean and dry. Uh, the challenge, of course, with that is they it grows flies a lot faster. And so uh, fly control is something else. It's not, it's sort of directly, it's sort of related to heat because flies, obviously, we don't have many of issues in the summer, but um, that's something we need to be thinking about with our calves is those darn flies in those hutches or calf barns. Sometimes you go in there and you think they're going to carry you away. You bring up another great point. One of the other criteria on our animal, animal care evaluations is, do you have a written herd health plan that covers pest and fly control? And part of that, like you said, Jim ties into that bedding and what's your plan there. Uh, so making sure that you have both in place to minimize the heat stress and, and keeping those animals comfortable for every yeah. stage of animal. You know, the other thing we haven't talked about yet is kind of cooling those dry cows. I think that Heidi kind of touched on it, but there is some pretty good data. It's getting a, it's not old yet, but there's actually some data done in Florida where they cool dry cows and it kind of ties into calves. Obviously we know that dry cows that are cooled averaged 
I don't know, it's 10 to 15 more pounds of milk. Depends on what study you look at. There's some maybe in the upper Midwest. But if you cool your dry cows, they milk more after they calve. That obviously makes sense. But Jeff Dahl did some nice research and followed calves. So they cooled dry cows. They had a, a group of dry cows they cooled and a group they did not cool. After they calved, they did a lot of measurements on those calves. And the calves that were from cooled cows, they absorbed immunoglobulins better. So they had better immunity. They grew faster. And I think the interesting thing is once they calved, they were treated exactly the same after they were born. After those cows calved, the cows that were, their dams were cooled, actually milked about eight to 10 pounds more. They only tracked them through about the first 210 days of their first lactation. So I think there's lots of reasons to also make sure our dry cows are cool because that's, you know, it's, again, it's something we don't see. We can't measure it in a bulk tank, but I think it's sure worth considering is keeping those dry and close-up cows cooled. You know, that you say it isn't new research, but you know, you still get questions when people hear that. And I think it's important that that be part of the message that we include as we discuss heat stress uh, across the dairy. We talk milking cows, talk calves, talk dry cows. What we haven't addressed yet is the humans who are around our dairy. I was out the other day and uh, saw a, a young uh, person taking care of calves and in white, had a big white, I call it a sombrero type hat. Uh, was doing everything he could while he was spending three hours out in the sun uh, feeding calves to be protected from the sun. What else do you see out there, Jim? Well, I think the same things Heidi talked about from an animal care standpoint. You know, make sure you drink plenty of water. Your employees have all access, have access to water. Um, as you mentioned, make sure you wear some kind of cap or something from uh, keeping yourself shaded. Try to get in the shade. And then, you know, don't, if you're an owner or if you're a worker, don't, kill yourself on these hot, humid days. Recognize that things are probably going to take a little bit longer, but probably the biggest thing you can do is just stay really well hydrated. You know, cows don't sweat quite as much as we do, but on those real humid days, we can sweat, and of course, the water doesn't evaporate. So just recognize when you are getting overheated or getting to that point, and then get in someplace cool and get cooled off. You know, we always hear about people that will have heat strokes and or just be stressed from heat. And so just, uh, as Fred mentioned, just please take care of yourself because that really is important. And taking a break, getting someplace in the shade or in the office air condition, so important. Let your body have time to get its core temperature down to close to normal. Uh, don't try to tough it out because uh, I can tell you from personal experience that heat stroke will knock you down and you're out of the ball game at that point. 
Absolutely right. And I think we need to watch for the signs of both heat exhaustion, hopefully before we hit that heat stroke. So if you hear anybody on the dairy starting to talk about being dizzy, even though they're thirsty, they're just not feeling like they're quenching their thirst, or they start to actually feel nauseous or just generally weak when they could have made it through the whole day, you're likely starting to experience heat exhaustion. Keep sipping the cool water. Hopefully you've got some loose clothing. Obviously that's the time to go take the break when you're starting to have the symptoms of heat exhaustion. But like you mentioned, Fred, the heat stroke is different. At that point, you're probably hitting confusion, dizziness, and potentially are going to pass out and become unconscious. So we really need to take care of all of our employees when we're working around large animals or big groups of calves and things, because that's the time to call 911 or potentially take them in and get some um, extra fluids into their body and make sure they're getting taken care of. We've covered the, the cow side, calf side, and people. What are some final messages that we need to share uh, before we sign off today's podcast, Jim? Well, I think the biggest thing is watch your cows for heat stress. Uh, Heidi had mentioned it earlier. They're normally 30 to 50% respiration rates. Just walk through your barn. Uh, if they're over 100, go to different areas of your barn. They might some cows and some pens might be a lot different than others, but I think it's mostly just being aware. And then I think, Fred, you did a really nice job of talking about it early on. One of the things we need to do is make sure we don't try to be chintzy on water if you're using water and electricity to keep these cows cool because we... Uh, you know, I think a lot of times we need to be running water and fans probably all night long to get those co cows cooled down because we've got to get no different than Heidi mentioned with humans. We've got to get that core temperature down. So if they're warm and they're big beasts and they're eating a lot, if we want them to continue to stay productive, we need to be cooling them and running fans on them a lot a lot cooler temperature than we are. I mean, if, if I go out in the evening and it's kind of cool, we can still have heat stress in our cows. So that's one thing I guess I'd like to emphasize is just um, they're going to stay a lot warmer than we are at a lot cooler temperatures than we are. So just kind of think about that as you're doing it. And then don't forget about these dry cows. I, I would just wrap up on um, some of those facility observations, you knowing that you're maintaining your water, both clean, fresh for every age class of animal, calves by day three or earlier, and then double checking to make sure you do have a written heat stress management plan in place and that every employee knows uh, what their role is to mitigate heat stress across all the age classes of animals. Um, and then make just focusing on your, your teammates. Uh, a dairy doesn't run without a lot of people. And so making sure that we take care of our, our human side and making sure that we're watching for signs of heat exhaustion and hopefully then avoiding the heat stroke that can potentially put you uh, in a quick hospital visit. So it's definitely a team effort out there. And I'll conclude by mentioning the second part of what we've been talking about. It's heat stress. And as our livestock is accumulating that stress, it is part of our job to pay attention and see where else is it magnifying. I'll be seeing some respiratory issues. 
Are we seeing cell counts on mastitis? Are we seeing some lameness cropping up? Because stress is a compounded interest thing. Once you have it in one area and you have it in another area, it just keeps growing as far as the problem goes. Well, Jim and Heidi, I sure enjoyed the visit with you today uh, here in the uh, I-29 New University Dairy Podcast. Uh, we'll be signing off and inviting our listeners to the next episode uh, of the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thanks. We'd like to thank our 2022-2023 annual I-29 sponsors. Learn more about Iowa Corn Growers Association at iowacorn.org. I-29 MUU is an equal opportunity provider. For the full non-discrimination statement or accommodation inquiries, go to extension.iastate.edu forward slash diversity, forward slash EXT.